welcome back to another episode of the Maroon Weekly. I'm going to be your host this week. I'm Jake Zucker. Sitting next to me is... Carter Beckstein. I'm Greg. I'm Mickey. So this week we're going to start with um, some stories that we found in the Chicago Maroon. Is that Greg or Mickey? <laughs> I think it's me. Oh, okay. Sorry. So Carter, can you tell us about expanded shuttle access this year for college students? Absolutely. I'm sure many of you out there, like me, love going downtown, but don't love getting there. Sure, you could take the Jackson Park Express bus from Stony Island and 59th, or ride the bus to the Red Line. But for many, traveling alone or at night makes these options daunting. In recognition of those concerns, Dean Michelle Rasmussen and Associate Vice President for Safety and Security, Eric Heath, jointly announced an expansion of transportation options for students, which already includes the U-Pass for access to CTA routes, and the Lyft Ride Smart Program, which covered up to, uh, or covers up to $15 per ride, not including tips, for 10 rides per month within the Hyde Park service area between the hours of 5 p.m. and 4 a.m. The new expansion first expands that Hyde Park service area to include the Garfield Red Line and Green Line stations, Students not comfortable with walking to and waiting for a bus will now be able to have a lift pick them up directly and drop them off at the station. The university has also granted 10 Metra electric rides per year on any zone of the Metra. For those not familiar with the system, the Metra is another commuter rail line similar to what the CTA offers on the red and green lines, but because the Metra is not owned or operated by the CTA, it is not covered by the U-Pass. As of October 1st, students can use the MyUChicago portal to sign up for the MetroRide program, which only requires students to have downloaded the Ventra app and made an account on which to load the Metra tickets and validate them digitally. For students with cars, the university has decided to allow free parking on the campus North Garage between the hours of 5 p.m. and 3 a.m., seven days a week. Just make sure to exit the garage by 7 a.m. if you don't have a 24-hour parking pass and want to avoid any fees. Finally, with the expansion for which I am perhaps most excited, starting in winter quarter, still a bit of a wait on that one, the UGO shuttle system will open a new line connecting Hyde Park and the downtown Chicago locations, including the Gleacher Center right next to Michigan Avenue Bridge, and the Chicago Medical Center clinics. The route will also stop at the Roosevelt Red Line CTA stop within the loop. More details on the route are expected later this quarter. For now, we hope you enjoy the newly expanded transit options. If you already paid for them, you might as well use them. And continue to travel safely, preferably in groups and in well-lit areas. Stay safe out there. There's a lot there for students. I know that, for me, um, being able to have those free lift rides to and from the Garfield Red Line Station is going to be a very nice thing. I, I always take the train to get downtown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're long overdue. I'm especially excited about the Metra passes, although the fact that we only get 10 a year to me, is, it kind of sucks. I wish it were 10 a quarter. Yeah, I definitely think that the Metra is much more, um, it has much greater utility than the red line or the green line in that it can take you directly to Millennium Station. It can take you directly to the Art Institute. Um, it, it's, it's a lot closer to campus as well when you can pick it up uh, just around uh, Stony Island. So it's, it, w it would be nice if it had more access, but it's much better to have 10 than to have none. That's true. Yeah, I really don't know much about the Metro at all because I would just take the CTA every time because that was the free option. But I should certainly log onto the portal, get myself some free Metro rides. Yes, please do. Now we're going to go to Mickey 
with a report on um, graduate student activism. Okay, so I'm sure many of you have saw it, but on Tuesday, September 27th, which is the first day of school, hundreds of grad student workers from across the university gathered on the quad for a rally, during which the graduate students united, or GSU, announced the beginning of a new signing card campaign that puts graduate student workers on track to win representation in a legally recognized union. So what does that mean? GSU spokesperson Laura Polinari explains that when graduate student workers sign a union authorization card, they consent to, they consent to union representation under Machine Workers of America, which is an organization that leads graduate student unionization efforts. Once 30% of workers sign cards, the National Labor Relations Board will organize a plebiscite to confirm the workers' decision to unionize. Graduate student workers at the university voted to unionize in 2017. Unfortunately, GSU withdrew their case when they feared that a new Trump-appointed majority on the board would use GSU's case to overturn a years-long precedent allowing graduate students to unionize. The organizers announced that they hope to sign up 900 student workers in the campaign's first week. A participant at the rally, um, who is also a member of the platform committee who wished to be anonymous, um, said that the democracy and representing all graduate voices is incredibly important, and we need this platform to develop things that are sort of wanted by our whole union and for us graduate students. The science advocated a new set of bargaining demands that GSU has established after tons of meetings and online surveys of graduate students done over the summer as well. The demands include comprehensive dental, vision, and health care for graduate student workers, as well as additional legal support for international grad student workers. The rally organizers also advocated for a higher stipend to cope with the increasing cost of living. According to them, a lot of grad students are finding that their stipend is not keeping up with inflation. They require a lot more transparency from the university as they realize that they do not get to see the budget on the 33,000 stipend every year. They should be a part of the decision-making process. There were also voices from the international students too. Graduate chemist Valet Agawari said that he wanted the university to support international graduate students in tangible ways not just in emails. Specifically, visas and travel expenses can prohibit them from working at the University of Chicago. Yeah, I definitely saw it when I was uh, on the way to class. I mean, really can't get much, uh, much wider audience than right in the middle of the quad. I mean, it's important work that they're doing. I, I, I personally hope that they find some recognition from the university. We're going to go to Greg with a report on how the University of Chicago football team has been doing recently. Yeah, so now for an update on our football team, courtesy of an article published by Hyde Park Herald sports writer Izzy Frank Ativi. The football team is off to a strong start this season with a four-game winning streak and new head coach Todd Gilchrist at the helm. Currently, the Maroons are in a three-way tie for, the, for first in the Midwest Conference standings. They began the season with a 34-14 win against Concordia University Chicago on September 3rd, then went on to beat Illinois College, Beloit College, and last Saturday beat Knox College 50-14. Gilchrist comes from the College of Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester. <laughs> Worcester. Damn it. All right. Gilchrist comes, Gilchrist comes from the College of Holy Cross in Worcester. Worcester. Dude, I can't. 
It's not a ooh, it's a uh, Worcester. Worcester. Gilchrist comes from the College of Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Gotta love Mass. And is the 12th head coach of the university's football program. This season, the team is led by key senior players such as running back Nick D'Ambrose, who received first-team All-American honors last season from the American Football Coaches Association, D3Football.com, and the Associated Press. With seven games left this season, the Maroons are 3-0 in Midwest Conference standings alongside Lake Forest College, Ripon College, and Montmartre College. And for some interesting lore on Chicago's football program, it originally formed in 1892 and in 1896 became a founding member of the Big Ten Conference. In 1939, six years after its first coach, Amos Alonzo Stagg, retired, UFC's then-president Robert Hutchins abolished the program, claiming it was incompatible with the university's commitment to academics. For 24 years, football was banned, and it wasn't until 1973 that the Maroons were resurrected and began competing in Division Three. Again, this was first reported by sports writer Izzy Frank Ativi on the Hyde Park Herald, and the full story is up on its website. Thanks for that, Greg. Um, yeah, our football team seems to always do very well. Yeah, I went uh, to I went to the game uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago against uh, Beloit. And it was the first game I'd ever been to. I thought it was very interesting. You went to the... Why'd you go? <laughs> I did not have much else going on. It was the day before first years arrived. And I, I mean, I'm glad I went. I stayed for maybe 15 minutes, but before it was a good 15 minutes. Yes. I was in 08, yes. Okay. Cool. I have to say, I didn't realize the football team was banned. Oh, yeah. That's so Definitely. you Chicago. Though. Yeah. And honest, I'm not surprised, honestly. <laughs> uh, well, they used the field for nuclear testing. Yeah. 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 So they did oh, do really? very Yes. They did do very well. Um, well, oh, yeah, that was the old field. Yes, uh, yes. Yes. Where the nuclear statue is now. Well, yes, exactly. Oh, that was a field. That was. That's yes, where the field the used field. to be. I, I thought it athlete. was underneath Ratner, but. No, oh, underneath the rag. Oh. No, they originally had the football field there. Then they conducted oh, some of the Manhattan Project uh, there, and after which they irradiated the stands. And then after that, <laughs> they decided to decontaminate it so they could build a library, and that's where the rag is. Oh, there you go. We yeah. do love our football, don't we? You <laughs> <laughs> Chicago football does have a very prestigious history. They were in the Big Ten and won it a number of times. Um, Amos Alonzo Stagg, that coach who the field is named after now, he's kind of a pioneer of football strategy, if you ever want to. Look him up. And we have There's the first some really Heisman. interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. First Heisman winner. Yeah. Um, okay, our, our last report for the day is from me. A staff report in the Hyde Park Herald covering a recent arson incident in Jackson Park's Garden of the Phoenix. Uh, a bush was burned, and it damaged a small bridge that has since been fenced off from the public. Access to the garden itself has thankfully not been impacted, so please take a visit to the beautiful Japanese garden. As have any of you guys spent time in the Garden of the Phoenix? Absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is really beautiful. Especially in the fall and in the spring when they have the, the cherry blossoms around Jackson Park. It's, it's definitely a great place to go. And they have a number of activities there um, for the Japanese Americans. Association will put on different events, um, cultural activities. It's, it's a good place. Wait, remind me where it is. is. Is it the one right next to the Museum of Science? And exactly. It's okay. near there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's right behind it, the so where you would go so with pretty. all the blossoms. Yeah. Yes, there's an island there. I believe Yoko Ono made a statue that's exactly, that's right yes. there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice place. Yeah, I love going on runs in Jackson Park, and I always do a loop of the wooden, wooded island, which um, the Garden of the Phoenix is on. It's a really nice mm-hmm. place. Um, but this arson incident actually does come a year after gates were installed at the entrances to the wooded island, with the Chicago Park District planning on closing them after dark and citing a desire to keep the area safe for criminal from criminal activity. 
there had been damage to both the Garden of the Phoenix and that Yoko Ono sculpture mm-hmm. that Carter mentioned. But the gates prompted such an outcry that they're actually no longer closed at night. And you're welcome to watch the sunset from Wooded Island. Go there whenever you want. This has been the Maroon Weekly. I'm Jake. I'm Carter. I'm Greg. And I'm Mickey. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll be back next week. Bye.